Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool have won the Carabao Cup. Chelsea nil, Liverpool won. AET, one of my favourite football acronyms in there as well. I love an AET. Uh, it was most definitely a lot of ET uh, that Liverpool needed before Virgil van Dijk nodded the winner in. Uh, I've got with me Josh Williams, Ian Salmon, and Neil Jones. But before then, uh, we are uh, doing this episode of the Anfield wrap with Green King Sport, where football is more than a game, which I think was demonstrated uh, remarkably well. At Wembley yesterday. Uh, Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Liverpool fixture over the course of this 23-24 season, which bodes uh, to have a real historical resonance around the club and with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK it doesn't matter where you're based you can get every single minute of the action uh, if you download the app you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime uh, the matches on TV but this month there are thousands of pints of free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays uh, that is what is happening there in the Green King pubs what was happening yesterday at Liverpool Neil Jones was an epic uh, <laughs> an epic that it was another one of those nil-nils between Chelsea and Liverpool up until the 90-minute mark where it's fair to say it could have been 2-2. Uh, you know, it wasn't a dour affair. We say the tight and nervy, the finals, and it was tight and nervy, but it wasn't closed off as a game. Mm. It became epic. The result was epic. The response to the supporters was epic. The manager was epic. The captain was epic. It just becomes one of those one of those Liverpool moments that will just live so, so, so long in the memory. Yeah, yeah they, they, keep, they keep providing, don't they? You know, we've said... You shouldn't have home games against Luton. <clears throat> Living in the memory, you shouldn't have Carabao Cup finals. You know, the tenth of your Carabao Cup finals being a sort of. A, I think it's the best, other than Istanbul. I think it's the best final Liverpool have ever ever won in terms of the performance. I think it's it has to be for, for the players, the situation of the game, the the sort of excuses that they could have reached for and found. I think Istanbul over eighty four. Because yeah, they played, Rome, yeah, they played yeah. Rome and Rome. Fair, but they were they were a great side. Yeah, you know, they yeah. were probably favourites in terms of football for for that game. I mean, they, they were. I'm guessing they were bookmakers' favourites yesterday, but I think that was a that was a flip of a coin. I, I would have suggested in terms of in terms of that, um, and that was maybe more on name than yeah. than actually the, the team sheets. I just, I, I think you know you shouldn't say. It. I mean, I, I I swore on a tweet yesterday um, when Virgil scored. I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever swore, even sort of you know in in quote form. 
Um, but it was that kind of day. I, I was, I, I felt pride. I felt pride watching Liverpool, and I felt like I think people made their peace. And there was a moment in the, I think it was in the first half of extra time where the LA 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 went round the stadium, where you sort of went like that. But it, I think people made peace with no matter what happens now. That that this is our our day, and in the end, it it, it literally was our day. Um, it was a yeah. <laughs> I was laughing because I didn't get accredited for the game until Thursday, and I sort of got myself into the mindset of I don't get it. I, you know, I've, I've been to League Cup finals <laughs> and I've been to Wembley, and you know, I'll, it's my anniversary, and I'll stay at home and this and that. <laughs> I would have, I would have crawled across my missus to to, uh, to get to Wembley <laughs> yesterday and be there. Um, so I was delighted to be there, delighted to. Experience you know, more it. people out the way, including your missus, like Darwin Nunez. Yeah, I was Darwin's. I was Darwin's my way down to Wembley. Absolutely, yeah, down down the, the hard shoulder of the M1, all the way down there to be there. But I, I know. I envied those who were in the in the, the supporters section. It was good enough in the press box. I envied those who were in the supporters section yesterday. It was magnificent. It's it's what it says about where we are right now, Josh. In every single sense, you know, it's it's got the resonance with what's happening with the manager. Uh, it's got the resonance with what's been happening with the manager and what he's set up there for eight years. It's got the resonance of of what they've tried to do off the pitch around the academy. But it's also got the idea there's still a nucleus of unbelievable senior professionals there who can get people through difficult moments in football matches. It's It managed to become one of those games that just tells the story of Liverpool Football Club in this moment. Yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the players who, who you needed to step up and, and kind of showcase that level of authority, especially in extra time, and you know, around the kids and that, like a Van Dijk, for example. Van Dijk twice in the game, really. I mean, it's, it's a 2-0 win for me, as far as I'm concerned. Um, earlier in the week, you know, we did a, a a midweek extra show, and I said Van Dijk at the moment, where he just falls, I'll do it, and and he's he's done it again, and then did it again in the game. So it's three times, basically, in the space of a week, where he's just grabbed the situation and just just delivered what you need to deliver. If you if you just the star in the team, basically the last remaining star in the team, he was not injured. Um, but yeah, it just it shouldn't have been possible yesterday. I mean, when I first seen the team, I was like. I lost. I was lost a bit of confidence at the fact that none of Sobosh like Nunes or Salah made it, and I was a bit like, you know, if if we if we get beat today, we we you know we get beat. It's just one of them really. And 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 when we got when I started seeing the performance, I was like, you know, we're out playing them here. We're playing quite well. And then we got to extra time. We make all the subs. I thought he was really brave in taking the likes of McAllister off and, and players like that. I thought McAllister was really good during the game and he took Gap off as well, like a senior forward. Yeah, you could argue at the end of the game. There was only Van Dijk out of your best eleven on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Diaz, you know, I, I probably would be Diaz, but you could argue Jota or Diaz. You could argue what, what was Endo left of or Diaz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. exactly. I mean, Diaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Diaz with one leg. Um, <laughs> but like, at the, at the, the point of extra time, I was like, we're not going to be able to get out of our, our own half here because we've got no, we've got no outlets. We've got no threats in behind. We've got a gang of uh, kids basically in midfield who were playing against two hundred million plus men. You know, in in Casado and, and Fernandez. But just defied all logic. Just honestly, just defied all logic. And I think I do think it's relevant at the time to, you know, a bit of a testament to Klopp's body of work over the course of his career at Liverpool and his ability to just make a team more than the sum of its parts and get everyone single from the same hinge. He, in comparison to with Chelsea, who are a bit more, I think at this moment in time, Pochettino was trying to establish a bit of a soul. And I don't think there's one there at the minute. And I think we saw that an extra time, just little things in the game and the LA, LA, LA and everything really just just showcased the difference between between the two clubs at the minute. 
It's it's about the manager. Uh, Neil's actually written something very good this morning on Substack. It's about the manager, Ian, uh, massively. And I think it's about the manager in terms of those players being determined to give everything they can for him. It's about the fact that what's happened at the academy you know other people have done much more of the work than he has but he's created the weather and the circumstances the patterns the desires this is what we're meant to do this is the way we're going to play this is who we are which means you can just drop footballers in Bobby Clark doesn't just get extra time he gets much more than that and genuinely looked as though he played at least 30 games for Liverpool uh, given what he comes in and does full of youthful exuberance it is about the manager to try and for long term preparation collective belief and what he embodies which is the human spirit it, it's everything. It's it's not just what he's done with the academy. It's not just what he's done with the team, it's the squad. It's the establishment. It's the whole culture of the entire club from top to bottom. He's built in his own image over the last eight years. Specifically, he's built the place. Well, he hasn't actually built it. You know, he, he, did, he didn't stick a spade in the ground. That, but he's got everybody together he, in the same site. For the he, first he did with the Anfield. He did, stick, he did with yeah. the Anfield Road. He actually did put the <laughs> spade in the ground. <laughs> there you go. He's built the stand as well. If he did on himself, probably would have been finished quicker. His, um, <laughs> his his attitude to life, his attitude to sport, his attitude to everything, to the world, to socialism, to everything you want, to the values that Shankly instilled in the fifties that is everything that he's carried through this club from day one and it's paying off now because the fact that we've got the kids playing at Melwood not Melwood the fact that we've got the kids playing at Kirby with the senior pros and they can see the senior pros work and they can see how everything knits together it gives them that extra bit of spine there's no gap that they have to bridge they're seeing these lads every day so when they come in and play in a team alongside them they know their job and they're being taught to play the same way and to play that it's it's a Liverpool way these instilled, and yesterday I I personally think I'm the only one here that wasn't there, aren't I? I think it, but no, I went there. You went there as well, so you've seen it on telly. So yeah. Jesus Christ, our end, honest to God. <laughs> if you were if you were there, you don't know what that looked like. That was amazing to see that on telly. To see our end, you you obviously have seen it from the yeah, first incredible. Box, it's unreal. You've never seen anything like it. The first 15 minutes of extra time, that ale, 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 that just starts and just keeps going. It's just a wall. If you can't respond to that, all they've got is plastic flags. I saw, I saw Kevin Graham, who does uh, Celtic State of Ireland. I hear Kevin, I've met him a couple of times, lovely fella, and he actually tweeted, he, he, he turned the radio on in extra time, and he heard the noise, and he just presumed Liverpool were ahead. Yeah. He presumed Liverpool had scored. He yeah. thought it must be at least 1-0 to Liverpool this then. Uh, yeah. And it was only when... You know, and it was, it was, like, it, was like, it was like two or three <laughs> minutes in, when the commentator finally couldn't believe it, he just couldn't believe that it was goalless, and that is also the other thing that, that he's achieved. Neil, I think, I think that he's, he's so able to, to coalesce Everyone around yeah. this. There wasn't there wasn't grumps. I mean, it helps when everyone is aware it is an eleven man injury list. Like every and, and it's become twelve because of Gravenberg. I think that that just it just tells the story of of that's the other thing that he's done absolutely brilliantly is he's got everyone to that much of an extent on the same page that you get that sort of response. Do but let's take it back a little bit. They've done this before. They beat Everton with. Yasser Larussi in the side, and that Phillips brought back, and uh, you know, player, they no no right to beat Everton. They beat Shrewsbury with this, this the under twenty one side. This was that was four years ago, this month I think it was. So this has been building. This has been something that they've been able to do. And it, you're right. I mean, there's so many people. And I, I, I I'm close to a lot of people at the academy. One of my best friends is the press officer. One of my other best friends is the under twenty ones manager. Like these are. These are people that I'm proud of anyway. But yep. when you see that and you see, obviously, you know, 
there'll be some debate about oh, is he really an academy player because he signed from Newcastle, he was signed from you know, but they've all they've all had the touch of of, of what Liverpool are, are putting in the, the the team or sorry the players, you know you look at. I mean, I went to Morecambe in September and watched them. They won the first game ever in the EFL Trophy, and I made a big deal of it. And people were laughing, going, "The EFL Trophy!" But like Bobby Clark was man of the match. Jaden Dans made his debut for the under twenty ones, coming off the bench for three minutes in in that game. Trey Ioni hadn't even played. I think he played two games for the under eighteen. He's on the bench. Lewis Kumas came off the bench. This has been building. They they were really good in the EFL Trophy this season. The under twenty ones. They they were competitive in every game. They scored in every game. It's the first time they've ever scored in every game. In it, they, you've seen the pro. If, if you do watch the academy, you see the progress. And it's not just a case of oh he's a promising player or they've got this. They're all players that they play like the ones that you see every week. So you look at it and go, he's a bit like McAllister. Him or oh, he's got a little bit of Van Dyke about him. That centre back or you know this this left back. You can see the influence of the first team and you can see the influence of what the manager puts into the. The team that, well, if you want to play for Liverpool, you can't be, you know, I'm trying to think, you probably couldn't be Robbie Fowler at this moment in time and get in Liverpool's team. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to be Roberto Firmino or you're going to have to be Darwin, you're going to have to have that about you. And I think that is, that's that's long-term planning, isn't it? And I, I looked, I look at it and I wrote it today, I said, you know, what Klopp is given to the next manager is obviously a club that's happy but a club that if you if you're willing to have a go at it, you could have an absolute gold mine on your hands because there's more beyond these. There's some, there's some who, who weren't even available to play from from the the academy. Ben Doak could have been playing. Stefan Bajetic could have been playing. Um, Curtis Jones, you know Trent Alexander Arnold. There's more to come. So I think it's um, it's just kudos to. I mean, Andy Kelly put a tweet out with where he listed all of the names of the people that you'll never have heard of the the people in the you know the, the head of education and the all these people. It's a it's kudos to them. They've 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 created this this culture as much as Jurgen. The manager speaks in his in his post match, Josh, where he says we play eleven against eleven against these when we can, and it's hard to play against them. The senior players find it hard to play against them, and that's why he thought well they can at least make it hard for Chelsea. They do a lot more than that. They do a lot more than that. McConnell's extra time performance. I thought that Clark for the first twenty minutes he came on. I thought he was he was tremendous. Uh, but then McConnell's extra time performance was was he was he was the dominant midfielder on the pitch. Yeah, McConnell. I think more touches than the other player. Yeah, after the eightieth minute, wasn't it the most touches? Yeah. And he only came on the eighty seventh. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Uh, Bobby Clark puts himself about. You know, a um, few step overs in the box, and I think his shot leads to the corner that yep. we end up uh, scoring a goal from. He has a couple of opportunities, Clark, earlier to get a shot away, and I think he chooses not to. And I think that's a bit. It is a bit of a young player thing. I think he doesn't want to be seen to be going for something if it's not quite on. But it was on for him that time. I, I wondered if someone had even had a word because that time when he did strike it, 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 that is where the corner comes from. Yeah, and another another player as well, like just. Harvey Elliott, just oh. unbelievable, mate. Honestly, like that's his best game for Liverpool. I, if I'd have ever. tuned in a full time, I'd have sworn he'd just been brought on. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the the legs that he had, unbelievable, proper engine, mate, and um, switching the play all the time. Really good on the ball, really technical. And usually, you know, if you're getting tired, your first touch, you know, you lose your first touch a little bit, don't you? And you start making stupid decisions on the ball and that. But at no point did Elliott look. You know, a tiny bit affected by the fact that he'd been on the pitch for about four hours. <laughs> Did you see how close his, and his header was as well? Yeah, was yeah, it? yeah. It was even that great effort. And, and he collapsed at the end of the Luton game. Yeah, yeah he collapsed. He collapsed when well, Van Dijk again. He didn't yeah. celebrate. Yeah. He didn't celebrate the goal. Did he? Just, he just he just fell on his on his haunches. But it, it doesn't look like that though. It doesn't look like he's blown when he's playing. He he just plays full pelts and 
Um, he might not have the physical attributes in terms of being like a, a giant or, or really quick or anything like that, but he's quite clearly got it in terms of the engine. Like he's got that clock engine in him. Um, do the shape of the game, going right the way through, Josh. First half, they were susceptible on the break, but they were the better side until the injury. The manager's stinging about the referee post-match. He goes out of his way to be stinging about the referee post-match. And I think they put two, maybe three, yellow card tackles in before the injury. And, you know, I don't want to sort of get back on some sort of referee thing, but the week before, Caicedo, I think we all enjoyed it a bit more because it was against Manchester City. And we wanted, obviously, Chelsea to take points off Manchester City, but he was reckless last week. And... I think that the, you know. I think the manager. I think this is why the managers just, just. I think it burned his head out a little bit, to be honest with you. And I think it, I think it burned the players' heads out a little bit by the time you got through the rest of the first half. I think they actually struggled to get back on top for the fifteen minutes after the, the Gravenberg sub because I think they're just thinking, "What's going on here?" Uh, you yeah. know, because I, I. It was. It was. It, it's one of those because they don't win the game now and it goes the way it goes. I feel as though, you, and you've got to be careful. It's not sort of the, the confirmation bias, but I feel as though it's, it's on a verge of petulance and ill discipline from Chelsea. Um, we're not winning it, so we're going to kick you. And I can understand why the manager, the manager was was up in arms about it, and why the players were were thinking it was out of order too. Yeah, Casado's definitely got that in him, and he's uh, he was definitely late when it comes to Gravenberg. Probably was yellow as well. Um, but it is a tricky one, like, because you, you do generally want your six to be a bit horrible, don't you? Um, and I think maybe when we were linked with him, there was elements of, of, of us want, wanting that kind of dog who, who will do that a little bit, but not to the extent where he's hurting players, like, but just to the extent where you know he's in the game, you know he's on the pitch. So it's a difficult one, that, but I, I do think the, the Gravenberg thing is a yellow card and it's, it's frustrating that he went punished for it. He's and yellow. I, yeah, yellow card. Yeah, I think it's red. Do you, I, yeah. I think it's the replays the, the replays gave that as a red for, for two fouls for us this season. So yeah, you know, that, that's a worse that is a worse foul mm. than Curtis Jones when he went over the ball. Because yeah. he's literally. I don't. I don't know how you. Could, I don't know how you could say when a player leaves on a stretcher that the, the safety of the player wasn't endangered in, in the challenge. He, mm. he said it was reckless, didn't he? Not not serious foul play. Well, I, I just think. I mean, you can't obviously. You can have bad luck with injuries, but that wasn't bad luck. He got injured because of what he did. I thought I thought it was a, a straight red. And then, but what, even in not getting a yellow, it means he can do it again, can't he? I mean, he, exactly. he, he's done well, he did, endo. He did. He's he done did, endo, yeah. yeah. You know, endo. endo well, he's done one before as well. He's done one before, and that's that's what I. Chilwell think is, the same. Chilwell got away with one down down the line, and he gets booked for the the little little row with um with Connor Bradley. Chilwell was was rowing with every player yeah. under the age of twenty one. Yeah, Bobby Clark on the, pitch. On the goal, yeah, 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 well. every kid. Chilwell thought he, you know. And again, we'll know this, you two won't. From from the commentary, you've got Mike Dean making the ridiculous comments that the little scrap between Chilwell and Bradley was the most serious thing that happened in the game. There's a lad who's had his ankle broken. And the, the, the problem is the referees are still... They're refereeing events and context. They're refereeing a cup final and they're refereeing like, oh, it's, you know, it's all heated. Referee, whether it's a foul or not, if it's a foul, referee that as a foul because it's a bloody yeah, foul. Yeah, Mike Dean was was on full, you know, oh. referee support <laughs> level. Like, I mean, he, I think he was, I think he was in the commentary box with his full kit on, to be honest, <laughs> full refereeing kit on with a whistle, whistle in his mouth and everything. Honestly, because he was like, it's one of them where he, he was quite clearly only seeing it from the referee's perspective when you got to put yourself in the boots of the player as well, especially if you're analysing the game as a as an outsider now. There's, for me, there's something in. I think I think Chilwell epitomised it for yeah. me, Neil. Where Chilwell gets enjoy this bit. Chilwell gets murdered at Anfield, 
And I think there was a thing that those Chelsea players had clearly decided, we're not getting made a show of here, this doesn't happen to us again. And I think in the end, that's what bites them in extra time. They got made more of a show of. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what bites them in extra time. I think they're so fearful by the time they get to extra time that they're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. They get themselves Chil- in situation. Chilwell had something in his head about Conor Bradley, didn't he, that he got shown up by, by a kid or a young lad at Anfield. But to me, that's the, the, the best exemplar of where Chelsea are is that Ben Chilwell's their captain and Conor Gallagher's their vice-captain and neither of them finished the game because they, they couldn't get to the end of extra time. Pochettino made the point, they were both taken off at half-time at Anfield. What's in the dogs in the pub? If they're your leaders, you're not going to be led much. That's 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 the, the bottom line of it. Chil- I, I, I thought Chilwell when he came through at Leicester was a tidy footballer. There was a story about him, he went to Millwall with Leicester and refused to take throw-ins because he was getting so much from the, 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 the stands. I've never seen anything to suggest that that's an untrue story because he's... He, that's what he is. He, he's he's someone who wants it easy. He wants life easy, and Liverpool didn't make it easy for him. And I compare that to Virgil Van Dijk as, as the other captain. If you were stood in the tunnel and you were looking across, you'd think, "I know which side I want to be stood on. I don't want to be stood behind that one. I'll be stood behind the big fella there at the front." And I think um, you know a lot of people point to Pochettino, and I know there's some comments that he made um, about the extra time situation, but. I think you at some point you have to look at the people who are on the pitch as well and say, well, I'm gone. You, you back up forwards in Kunku, Mudrich, Madueke. We had Raheem Sterling on the pitch to start with. You've got Cole Palmer, who's this bright young thing, and you can't find a way past these kids. I think you have to look at the players, and I think when you've got him at the top, Chilwell, I know Reese James is the captain, he's injured, but I think when you've got him as your vice-captain or in a, in a position of seniority, it tells you everything about the state of that squad. And quite gloriously with Pochettino, he was actually on Sky Sports immediately before the game with a tactics board showing us how he was going to play against us, which I thought was genius. I, don't mi- do I that, missed lad. that part. Like, I, oh, missed, I didn't see that. Mo- yeah. Moving the counters around, sure, how there's no press against us. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's arrogance. Don't do that. That's ridiculous because if anything's going to bite you in the arse, it's going to be we that. Should, we should, to, to go back to the referee point, we should make the point we never, obviously, but... He made that comment in the on Friday about yeah. about the Klopp farewell tour. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I, there were a lot of people in that first half thinking, oh, you know, someone's out to prove a point almost that you know you won't you won't point, pin that one on me as a referee. I I thought <laughs> obviously the Chelsea disallowed goal was mega tight. I couldn't believe it when it was it was revealed that it was offside. Not when you see it from the other angle. Yeah, obviously when, when it, it, was, it was slanted pitch. Clearly in front of him. Yeah, and then you've got. Obviously, the Endo goal that gets gets disallowed. Sorry, the Van Dijk goal gets disallowed. But they're bits and bobs in the game. You can't really put that on the referee, I don't think. But the stuff like that, the challenges that went unpunished, the, the lack of bookings, the, the booking for Bradley for being pushed, they were they were felt like to me like it was almost a referee trying to prove a point. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving through to the start of the second half, Josh. I thought Liverpool started the second half really, really well. I th- you know, Gakpo went to the post just before half time. I felt like we'd reasserted a little bit, but second half again. I think the Liverpool are very good until the disallowed goal. I think the disallowed goal evens the contest up. It was one of them where I think Chelsea 
you feel like you've had the emotion of the worst thing that can possibly happen, but then you get the boost of the fact that it, it, it's removed, um, if you see what I mean. And I thought that from that point onwards, the second half, and this is one of the reasons why extra time I think does reflect so badly on those Chelsea players, is that they're arguably the better side between 70 and the, 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 the final whistle of, of normal time. Yeah, um, it was interesting because I, th- I think Chelsea started every half terribly, all for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Liverpool, especially when he made... When Klopp made them subs, the the really bold ones where he's bringing on all, all the kids and he's taking off a McAllister and the Gapo and that, I, I thought at that point we were going to struggle to get out of our own half and things and, and you know, I thought it was going to go on Chelsea's side, but you could see, it, I think it had a massive impact on, on the, the mindsets of, of the Chelsea players because I think by doing that, I don't know if he did it intentionally or not, but Klopp kind of like basically said to them, like, you better win this, you know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, look what you're playing against here. Look at what I've got to deal with. Look at the players I'm putting on. This is on you to go and win it now. And the and they, they looked like the spotlight was too bright. They looked like the um, they went within themselves. And, and Gary Neville called them bottle jobs and that. And it it did look like that. They didn't look like a team. They didn't look like they were um, they benefited from any boost in confidence when Liverpool suddenly had a weaker team on the pitch. It was like they, they were worried about the potential fallouts if they, if they didn't get the job done, and, and that's what happened. That said, part of what got us to that point, Ian, was two very, very big saves from Kelleher. Yeah. Uh, 86, and at some point in injury time, I didn't know the time of that one as I was watching the match, we had it gone. Um, they were massive, massive saves from him. Was that... I didn't realise it was so late in the game, you know. It's yeah, just, yeah. The whole thing's such a blur that I didn't realise that save was <laughs> so late. Yeah, the one-on-one's 86 minutes. <laughs> it's the, yeah. the one-on-one with, uh, Gallagher. with Gallagher, yeah. Because obviously there's the Palmer one before and then the the one where it's kind of punted into his arms by that ricochet, that's the one in injury That's time, the one in injury time, yeah. Is that when he flicked it up? Yeah, you, it's a boot and he flicks it up and just catches it. And he acts like, to be fair, he styles it out like I meant that all the way yeah. through and you're like, nah, you never lie, but it's all right. We're all, we're all reds. <laughs> it was the most casual thing ever. He was stunned again yesterday. He was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he's, he's got the great save in the first half. I think it was the first half as well. well um, the save and the block. I mean, the blocks, the 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 blocks block. outrageous. Yeah. I don't know where he comes from to, to pull that block. out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which I, I do wonder if that's where his ankle was done. No, whether it was later against Caicedo. Caicedo, Caicedo it's um, he was stunning. It's it's that bit where Klopp is describing him as world class this week, and he's describing him as the best number two in football, and he is the best number two in football. You're not, you know, the fact that Forrest wants to give fifteen million for him in the summer feels more and more of an insult by the day at the moment, and it, it's you know, sorry, not the summer January. Thankfully, we didn't didn't bite. We weren't tempted because he's invaluable to us. Because God knows how long Allison's out for now, but it doesn't matter at the moment because he's shown his worth. Every single game, he's shown his worth. And if you're going to show your worth on the biggest stage of your career, you're massive. I think the recent games I've done in the world are good. Neil, there's been a couple of times when he's coming in earlier in the season, he looked like somebody who just hadn't played much football and it'd be almost a bit frustrating to watch him at times because it wasn't so much the idea of the act, actual goalkeeping. It was a lot of the sort of the the housekeeping more than the goalkeeping, if you see what I mean. And I think for that one-on-one with Gallagher especially, he does exactly what Alisson would do. Yeah. He, he waits, he's patient, he stands, he doesn't rush at it and he just deals with it. Uh, deals with, you're going to try and do this. And again, I think one of the things that, for me, epitomises all these young players, we'll do Kelleher, we'll get to talking about more of them in a minute, is the the calm of them. Yeah, that, that, that was, that's exactly it. He's not really a goalkeeper that makes a lot of spectacular saves, Kelleher, but Alisson isn't really a goalkeeper that makes a lot of spectacular saves. They, 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 they do it by being 
calm, like you say, and being in the right position. And and, and you know, Allison's the best in the in the one-on-one situations. But yeah, I thought I thought Kelleher, even if you took the saves out of the game, what he was like with his feet was outstanding. Every time the ball went back to him, you never felt right or left foot. He was gonna sort of put his team under pressure. He knew where he knew where the ball needed to go, even if Liverpool weren't gonna win it or were second favourites. Um, he's had experience at Wembley, hasn't he? He's had two clean sheets yeah. in, in finals at Wembley. You know, um, I wonder. I mean, I saw his interview with with LFC, and he said that he, he was pleased that the goal went in for his heart. But I wonder whether he must have fancied I'll have another. I'll have another one of these here. He might. <laughs> he might have been in the first five takers, mightn't he, with with his seniority. Um, <laughs> he he is, you know. He he is. It's hard to imagine a better number two around, and he's had some moments this season where he's let a few strange goals in. There was one away, was it Union away where one just went in? And you thought that was a bit weird. I thought the one at Luton was was a bit weird on Wednesday night, but that's where it, that's where it counts. That's where that's where you need them to step up. You know, you <laughs> he's a senior player, even if he's got you know not not much experience. And he stepped up big time. Yeah, I, I know Van Dijk got the the player of the match off the uh, off the stadium announcer, but Kelleher got it off off Liverpool's fans. Then he got the Carlsberg one, and you couldn't argue it either. Uh, I want to run through some individual performances, but there's so many. Uh, there's so much bravery in that extra time period. So many heroes. But let's try and let's just basically let let's knock out McAllister, Robertson, and Bradley. They all did well, uh, but we can just crack on because there's only so much time to go through. Um, we've covered Kelleher off, uh, Josh. I think Canate's 105 minutes plus whatever the injury time was. What I liked about it was it it had all the flavour of what he's good at. There was some good long-range passing when it was possible, passing through the lines, which has come on leaps and bounds over the course of the season with him. First half, there was a lot of getting to things first to set the tempo, and second half, there was some great last-ditch defending. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Colossus Jordan the game, and... He's got that kind of a that firefighter element about him as a as a centre half. You know, when he sees a fire, he just immediately straight over to it, putting it out immediately. Whereas Van Dyke's a bit more like, I'll weigh it up and see if it spreads or something Sense like Canato. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sends Canato, yeah. Um, and sometimes he'll 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 keep doing it on a yellow. <laughs> he did it on a yellow at one point. I can't remember who it was against, but he he was kind it, of was it Nicholas Jackson. Got, might, he got was spun it? a little bit with it was, yeah, and he was he was I wouldn't say he was lucky, but he was you know with borderline stuff where you're thinking you're on a yellow raining in a little bit but I think the way in which he played it proper ultimate safety net stuff considering you know certainly one of the most established players in the team and um, you know Carragher touched on it a lot during the game in terms of Liverpool having a lot of youth players in there and a lot of inexperience in there but we did have an established centre half pair and I think those two really you know Almost assumed the role of the spine, just just them two as a as a pair, um, and really give Liverpool a backbone during the games from which to to go from. So yeah, Canate was brilliant, and the ground he covered, the duels he won, and things. I mean, he didn't get injured. <laughs> there's probably did. There is yeah. Canate there. There's also Endo Ian who to talk about that spine does the hundred and twenty um, sits in front of sits in front of his back four. I thought he was just absolutely immense, uh, you know, for, for all of the 120 minutes. We've mentioned the block already, but in so many moments, constantly available. And in that extra time period, I was amazed how much he was first to uh, against younger players. He was he was the one who, who seemed to, A, still have his brain working, and B, somehow still had his legs working. I, I might just sit here and pair for a couple of minutes, <laughs> to be honest. He, he's just... He's, 
what a phenomenal buy. He's turned into one of the, the absolute backbone of the team. Somebody who we thought at the beginning of the season might get more than we thought and then thought, no, he's not going to adapt. And then thought, Jesus Christ, this, this lad's absolutely world class. He is everything in the team. He, he'll split the centre-backs. He'll sit there. He'll go really deep. But he's also, his first instinct is always to try and move the ball forward. He's, he's always there to try and make things happen. But he'll also go into every tackle and come out with it clean as well. He'll always come out and make something happen from the tackle. I think he's an absolutely stunning footballer with a great brain who's now obviously playing a, a level of a team he's never played at before. Obviously, he's captained his country, so you know, he, he's played at a very high level. But he's, he's making every second count that he's on the pitch. He doesn't go missing. He, he, he never hides, unlike, you know, as, as Josh was saying about Caicedo before, you know, um, you notice him when he's... When he wasn't making fouls, he didn't seem to do anything else at all. He didn't do anything in the entire game. They had two £100 million players in the middle of the park, and we ended up with a £16 million midfield, and it was £16 million that had been paid on Endo and a couple of lads from the academy, and Endo just bossed the entire midfield. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought McAllister was incredible as well when he was on the pitch. I mean, he, he went and he was actually completely went in, in the second half. There was one where he was chasing back Cole Palmer, and it, it, looked, yeah. like, it looked like he was in, in reverse, but I thought he was brilliant. Like, the two of them stepping in, certainly in the first half, the amount of time Liverpool won the ball in Chelsea's half, where, you know... Disassi seems to be under pressure, or Colwell was under pressure, or one of the midfielders would be, would be jumped on straight away. They were they were brilliant, and the fact that Endo, like I say, McAllister did it for what seventy minutes. Endo done it for one hundred and twenty plus. That that is a massive thing, and also it, it's a, a real triumph of of attitude to, to sort of setbacks in, in the transfer market. You know, Liverpool clearly they wanted Caicedo. I mean, Rome, Romeo Lavio walked through the mix zone and one of them, you go, I forgot about him. <laughs> you know, he's, he's had 30 minutes. They, they wanted other players. But when, when they came come, someone's made the case for Endo and had it accepted because it, it, it isn't what they would normally do. They wouldn't normally sign a player of that age and that, that profile. But someone's got their way. I think it will be from the scouting, scouting team. Um <coughs> It might be the only thing George Matker ever does for us. Possibly. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I think it'll be Dave Fallows and Barry Hunter more so, but that would be, that, that, that goes down as one of the great sort of sliding doors moments, if you like, of this season where Liverpool have gone, make the best of a bad situation and they've made it absolutely superb with someone like him. He, he's a top player. Not, such a shame because he, he come through on crutches and with his, 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 his uh, foot in a boot. Looks like he's added to the list now because... He's been absolutely superb. He's probably been Liverpool's most consistent player for for the last three months. I do think as well. There's there's an element of um, of Klopp in there again, though. I think you know, testament to the manager for me to, for just for getting in a 16 million pound player who has never played in in a European competition. You know, Europa League, Champions League, whatever. Um, how old was he when we signed him? 30, 30. 30 yeah. Um, and he just looks he just looks really effective you know under the radar really functional and he, he knows his role inside out looks like he's been doing it for years looks coachable yeah it looks really coachable yeah um, looks like say for example unlike Henderson he, he won't kick up a force if he's left on the bench or something like that um, but yeah I think Klopp's ability to just turn water into wine he, he, he's done it consistently throughout his career and I think Endo is the ultimate example of that because I think as good as he's been I think if you put him in that Chelsea side yeah I'm not sure. Yeah, and if you give Klopp Casado as well, by the way, I think he looks like a, a, a belter. But you know, it, it sums up the manager for me and, and how good he is. It's just, just an outlier in terms of just getting, getting these players to just perform 
above and beyond what you'd expect? Um, Diaz for me, Ian. I think I think he's so dangerous. To me, it was it was in a number of ways closest. To, the only thing he does he he doesn't do that Sadio Mane possibly would have done is score. Yeah. I think everything else he does through the first 80, 85 minutes, you get to see what it looks like when the tank is empty um, and possibly even with a little bit of an injury. But I think with a lot of these, with Endo, with Elliot, with Diaz, it wouldn't surprise me if there's just quite significant cramp going on and, and, we'll, and we'll we'll get a sense of, of where all that's up to on uh, today, tomorrow. Uh, but Diaz, I just thought, constant outlet. Absolutely decided he had to beaten off them. And again, that was great to see too. He he decides he's Liverpool's most dangerous attacker, and then guess what? He's Liverpool's most dangerous attacker. Yeah, there's a moment where he moved into the number nine position as well and looked excellent there. And he, the brilliance of him is he keeps going. Mm. He just goes again every time. If it doesn't work, he goes again and he goes again and he goes again. And you're going to wear down your defenders just by sheer repetition of always being there. And he backed himself fantastically. He's. Um, Massive, you know, obviously his feet are fantastic. He's always looking for a way to beat a man before moving the ball on. He doesn't do anything stupid. He will try and make the best possible space for a pass, best possible shot he can possibly get with his own movements. There's also, it was wonderful afterwards to watch him, which I watched at one o'clock this morning, uh, being interviewed by Sky. It's not the greatest telly of all time because... Um, the girl who interviews yeah. him, whose name I can't remember... Pien Mullenstein. Uh, she speaks fluent Spanish and... Diaz speaks fluent Spanish so it was an interview in Spanish which she then related the results to us so <laughs> as telly goes it wasn't fantastic but it was a great interview I've, uh, I've never seen anything like it though it was, it was dead interesting I, no I've never it. seen one do it before no it was really to be honest from the interview I was more impressed with the interview than anybody yeah, else it's, it's, honest to God it's, it's fantastic it's, but, you know, you're not getting an interview from a lad who clearly doesn't know any English and that's, that's more testament to him what, what about his dad on the train yeah, with yeah. his cans, cans of uh, gin and tonic. He he stepped into stepped into the Roberto Firmino. Absolutely, his dad's all over but Twitter. I, I I wrote I've done a five things this morning, and if I could have done a sixth, it would have been Diaz. And I think he he probably is the best encapsulation of this Liverpool team in terms of it's it's relentlessness. It's imperfect. He doesn't always make the right decision. Yeah. He doesn't always have to finish at the end of it. Usually because he's run forty yards before he gets to the end of it. But the relentlessness of him, I th- I thought the courage of him in the, in the game. Given that he knows, he looks around and he thinks we've not got a lot of speed on this pitch. You know, in terms of running with the ball, it's going to have to be me, isn't it? I'm going to have to do it. He knows that Chelsea know that, and they're going to obviously try and try and stop him. The the the, the bravery that he showed. I know he was on. You know, he was on. I wouldn't even say he was on one leg in in, in extra time. I've I've been there in in cup finals when you when you cramp up, and you you just you're just on the pitch. But yeah, a little sort he came through. Um, he came. He came through eating an apple in the in the mix zone, um, and someone asked him. Someone said, "How are you, Lewis?" And he just he just raised the apple like a sort of like a, like a, tri- like a triumph. Like I've got an apple. That's me. So he was happy. He was happy at the end, and his dad was getting swigged on the um, on the train as well. So what a day for them. What a day indeed for them. Um, I want to do Clark Ian. He's he got, as I say the twenty the first twenty after he comes on I just think he's electric um, I think he he goes out to make it as horrible as he can for the Chelsea players I think the one thing he lacks the only thing he lacks is just a teeny bit of confidence um, in front of in front of goal because a couple of opportunities do open up for him he's got everything else he's got a winner's medal there uh, and the extent to which he deserves it is hard to put into words he contributes in every single phase of play contributes going back towards his own goal contributes going forward the other way he's he's excellent and I think he is. Even now, potentially looking at April, looking at May, I think he is one of Liverpool's midfielders. I think that's now the case he's made for himself. 
Definitely. I think, you know, obviously fitness allowing, he starts on Wednesday night. I don't think there's any way he doesn't start. He's clearly a footballer. So all, all the advanced quiet word has been bubbling round about, about how highly he's rated and how good he is. It's been proved. And it's taken a, taken a while for him to get his actual chance in the first team. But he's, he's grabbing it. I mean, he's just everywhere. He doesn't stop moving. He's, he's clearly... Again, he's a midfielder who knows his trade. He knows where he's supposed to fit in. He knows when he's coming on, what's expected of him. And this, this is the learning. So what, he's been with us, what, four years now? With Bobby? Yeah. Two. Two, that all? He's, he's learning quickly then. He, he knows what's expected of him. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's fulfilling it perfectly. And he may lack that confidence in terms of in front of goal in terms of decision making at the moment but you know that, that, that's youth isn't it you know coming, coming off three games the, 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 yeah. the rate of development for some of these lads <laughs> coming off three games but in terms of confidence on field yeah. there's no nerves yeah. at all the first thing he done wasn't it he just got he started throwing his body around didn't he yeah. and, and, and shrugging people and you know, he, there was, he, I know that Ben Chilwell but he, he ended up laughing at him didn't he when I think Chilwell sort of had a little bite at him and he was just sort of grinning at him just, what are you going to do but he's got that in him I've seen him you know I've seen him at under 18's level he, he's got bite in him his dad his dad was a competitor obviously Lee um, there was a lot of bite in Lee Clark yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> Nasha was his nickname yeah. <laughs> funny enough but um, he, good player he, yeah and I mean he's not he's a He's not dissimilar to his dad, but he, he's he's more a more of a modern modern midfielder. He's he's definitely someone. As soon as as soon as I saw him playing for the 18s, I thought, well, the way he plays, the way he gets across the pitch, he, he reminded me of Mason Mount in the way in the way that he played. Obviously, Mason Mount was a, in, in a, a good run of form at that point, but a little bit of that kind of all rounder, you know, just a midfielder, just someone who can who can do a little bit of everything. I I, I agree with you. I mean. And again, sliding doors moment. Derby, Derby County tried to sign him on loan in, in the last day of the transfer window in the summer. Tried to sign him on loan in the last day of the transfer window in January. I think he was wavering on whether he, he wanted to go or not. And Jürgen said no. Good job, innit? Good job. Uh, McConnell, to me, Josh, the greatest compliment you can pay him was that it was like we brought McAllister back on uh, for the young yeah, was. He was just absolutely <laughs> tremendous all the way through the period. Such confidence, shrugging away from people. Again, not, not dissimilar to McAllister in that you'd say maybe not a ton of pace but when you're that good it doesn't matter yeah just very relaxed his ability to read the game was was, was good I felt um, I think the first the first touch he gets in the game I think he he kind he didn't panic but like he yeah. he, he, he expected pressure and I don't and it didn't come he emptied didn't he down, down, was it down the line with his left foot yeah yeah it might have been yeah and I think when he realised after that like <laughs> hang on I'm not getting pressed here hang on these are shattered he just dictated the game, I felt. Uh, you know, we said before, most touches out of everyone from, from the 80th minute onwards. Um, and yeah, just did a job in there and, and, and acted like another little McAllister, like a miniature version of him. And, um, just another testament to, to Klopp's ability to, to you, make these players feel, feel confident. You mentioned Klopp, but part of the reason why he gets the touches is everyone else wanted to give him the ball. That was what struck me. Yeah, like, and he's available as well. The number of times I thought, for instance... It's not like we've all, we've praised him. We're going to praise him again in a minute or two. Virgil Van Dijk's very happy to take responsibility, but he was also really happy to give responsibility to McConnell. I thought the number of times he just feed a little one into him and go, "You're going to you're going to sort this." Virgil could have gone over him, could have gone long, could have looked to hit the big one, but Virgil doesn't. He says, "You're going to progress this up the pitch, and I'm going to stay at centre half." And I thought that was really noticeable as someone who's and, working with him. And don't forget, we've only seen a very little bit of him as a number six. He's not a number six. He's number eight. He, like that's that's where he play. He he. he he can play there, but he he's a he's a box to box midfielder. That that's that's where he plays. Like I mean, I was screaming at him because I know I've seen him do it for the 18s, 21s, 
both foot, 25 yards, he can put it wherever you want in the top corner. And there's a couple of times, he laid one off to Simicast and I thought, what are you doing? Simicast on his right foot. You, like, <laughs> get him off. But um, I want him to, I want him to, you know, really, I'd be like Bobby Clark, back yourself, but that's, that's his game, you know, so it, it surprises you the level that he's doing it at, but it doesn't surprise you to see, well, yeah, James McConnell can, can pass the ball with both feet. James McConnell can get box to box. He can, he can take 50, 60 touches in however long he was on the pitch. Um, you know, we haven't yet seen the full potential of these players as well. You know, in, in some cases, you know, imagine, imagine Jaden Dan's coming on with Mo Salah and and, and Diogo Jota either side of him. You know, where he's not a sort of firefighting option. Imagine Bobby Clark in with the first choice midfield, and you know these kind of these kind of things. So, really, is bright. I thought I, I thought McConnell was he was probably the star of the the star of the uh, the youngsters on the day, and there was a lot of uh, competition. And they've only taught him the holding role this season, haven't they? Mm. Ridiculous. Because Jürgen said, didn't he, after the Norwich game, he got man of the match, I think, or he, or he, he was insane. He, he got an assist in the, in the Norwich game for Curtis. And Jürgen said, he's he, no no midfielder should ever be a number six at academy level. You should learn the whole, you should yeah. learn the whole shebang. But yeah, that, that was the first time I think that he'd ever, he'd ever, um, he'd ever started a senior, obviously, first time he'd ever started a senior game, but the first time he'd started the game as a, as a holding number six on his own. It was very quick here and it was thankless for Dan's in a couple of ways certainly in yeah. that period uh, moving into the, the the end of the match into extra time and then a little bit I thought as Liverpool the game ebbed and flowed I think Liverpool are much better in the first period of extra time than in the second but it felt like the game was getting away from everyone because of fitness a little bit Liverpool still remain in control but all the way through those that, that period Dan's worked and worked and worked the Chelsea defenders didn't get a minute yeah he was, he was doing the shift as a sole number nine because we kind of went four five one at that point, didn't we? And um, <coughs> he was doing the shift as a solo of number nine. The Gakpo had been doing. He was covering the ground. He, he gets that great header, and yeah. the the only thing that would have been better him, than him scoring that would have been Joe Gomez scoring. That's the, the only thing. <laughs> he had one, didn't he? Gomez he had, had one. one. <laughs> yeah, uh, decent shot as well. He he looks like he's got it, doesn't he? He's got the movements. He's got the little flicks. He's got the tricks. He knows where the goal is. I you know. Speaking as somebody who'd never seen a second of him until Wednesday night, he looks an impressive footballer. I think he's got that physical level as well. Yeah. You know, like Kwanzaa. He's filled, like, they're saying he's filled out this season, hasn't he? Yeah, well, the way Kwanzaa's came in and hasn't looked out of place in, in you know, the senior men's game, I think the same applies to Dan's, really. And, and I think getting that shot as well, by the way, getting that header, I think he deserves credit for that. I think a lot of the time, that, that that's viewed as like the random part of the game, like the getting the shots part and the finishing part is where we attain all the skill to. But getting a shot that, that close to goal, decent header as well, decent effort. Arguably one of the best chances in the, in the whole of their extra time period, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, credit to him. And I think I'm right in saying he's just turned 18 recently. Yeah, 18, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, really good player and, you know, hopefully he keeps going. Yeah, he won it off the Elliott one as well, then he was he was uh, that that close to putting that in. That's that's his game, isn't he? He's, he's a number nine. Yeah, and that's, that's where you need to be. And he's got 20, 21 goals this season for the academy. Um, he was already set, you know helped set the goal up in the Premier League um, on Wednesday night. Fair, fair play to him, you know. A, a lot of people, a lot of people will be surprised by his his development. Well, 
that doesn't mean it's not to be enjoyed. Not to be enjoyed. He'll be playing Wednesday. Can I just throw in a name that's not on the list? Go on. Gerald Quanta comes on. The first thing he does is skin their forward (laughs) as he's trying to tackle them. That's that's everything that we're doing at the moment. What was really funny as well, he went and played Van Dyke's side for like three minutes and I could see Virgil was almost a bit like, lads, are you going to behave here? Because I'm not having this. Uh, (laughs) Mate of mine messaged me and said, I'm glad we've got Quanta on a bit of experience. (laughs) 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 What was his 15th game probably? It's (laughs) honestly excellent stuff. We're going to talk about Virgil uh, and Harvey Elliott in a minute or two. Uh, but this uh, we've been doing some work all the way through the year with Nivea around their deal Liverpool campaign and this is Alex the Nurse you'll recognise from uh, that campaign speaking to John Gibbons and it is John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap and we're here to do a little bit more focus on the latest uh, deal Liverpool a couple of weeks ago you might have remembered that we spoke to Mark King from the Oliver King Foundation which was uh, the charity who were the the focus, I guess you call it, from the Dear Liverpool campaign, but the stars, of course, of the, of the show were, were Alex and John, and delighted to be joined uh, by Alex now over Zoom. Alex, thanks so much for speaking to us. Really appreciate it. Oh, no, it's a pleasure, John. Thanks for, thanks for the invitation to be here. So let's remind people a little bit about this latest. I think it's the ninth one uh, that Nivea Met have done with, with Dear Liverpool, where they surprise uh, a Liverpool supporter. Uh, you were that Liverpool supporter that day. Uh, I'll just rush through the story uh, as quickly as I can for those. I think most people would have seen the video because it, it went viral. Like they all sort of seemed to went and went everywhere. But uh, I'll tell the story as quickly as I can. If I get anything wrong, uh, jump in and stop me. But yeah, yeah. Alex, you were playing football uh, one normal uh, week weekend afternoon uh, against another team. Uh, Zabs, I think it was old Zabs, yeah. uh, who who John. Uh, plays for uh, just a normal game. Um, suddenly, John collapses. You're a medical professional, so you jumped into action and with the aid of a defibrillator, uh, were able to well, help save his life, really, and then get him off, you know, do the do the work that was needed until the ambulance came and then get him off. And and, and he's obviously, you know, still with us. We saw, we saw him on, the, on the, the video. He looks as good as ever playing football again yeah. and stuff like that. And then... Aside from having a new friend, you just sort of went back to normality, uh, relative normality, and until until one day uh, you're out working, then Virgil van Dijk turns up. Is that about right? That's about right. Yeah. So I think I thought I was I was you know sort of just starting to forget about all this, and then I just turned up to work one day, and it, a normal morning. The only thing I've seen a bit a bit different, John, was the, there was a guy who's played to be for security from the hospital having a look at the ward to see. Because we're moving wards in February, so I thought maybe they're looking at, I don't know, the distribution or whatever. Um, and then around lunchtime, my boss grabbed me and put me in, in we've got a big MDT room just sort of next to the bay in the in the unit, and he put me in there and I started asking about my shifts, which there would there was no there was no issue because my shifts have been sorted for a while. I've worked long days as an air, so it's just different different days of different shifts. And basically she just was making time for Virgil to come in and um sit in one of the big rooms there's a big feature room at the bottom so he's just basically clearing everyone and like clearing the room and letting everyone and i didn't know anything obviously and then she just said we're gonna get some pictures taken for the new frailty unit um but i was thinking well I'm, i'd rather just go to a and e and keep working if you guys want to get pictures taken and she was like no no you need to you need to get in that room now and then obviously it was just just surprised when i seen when i seen Bridget. it was just unbelievable but i, I presume Maybe he was there for something else. Maybe, you know, some the, the way football players go to see the kids in the hospitals, and maybe there was something there who they were going to see. I didn't know. And then I was even more surprised when I seen John. And I actually was like, what, what are you doing here, John? And I was just so <laughs> computer. And then obviously, and then you told me that I, I didn't have to 
to go to work anymore. I mean, just go with them to the training ground, which is, it's just unreal, really. Yeah, it's incredible how they do it because, you know, the, you can see the genuine look and surprise on your face, you know. I mean, Virgin Van Dyke walks into any room, you're sort of a little bit, you know, startled, aren't you? But it's really interesting hearing from you sort of how they managed to, to swing it because getting a... I mean, he's a he's a he's a well-renowned footballer. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. like get, getting him into a building, it, you know, does take a bit of work. So it's really interesting hearing sorts of how they managed to to do it and 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 trick you, I guess, uh, in the nicest possible way. Yeah, yeah, trick me. There's, there's been so much work behind the scenes. So they've been they contacted my boss when I was on my honeymoon in October, and then it was meant to be that they was coming back from the honeymoon, but then Navy couldn't do it. So there was just eventually a random Tuesday. But it's the amount of work that's gone into this. Obviously, the Navy people who done a lot for it and also this liaises with the their common of the hospital and stuff it's just insane how much going like behind the scenes that i even know about so obviously you experience you know that day um but mm-hmm. then you don't, you don't sort of see all of it until i guess the video comes out and you watch it how what it must be quite surreal like hearing virgil you know uh, talk about you um he called you an incredible man and at one point yeah. you guys superheroes and that must be so surreal that you think like Virgil's just talking about me there. That that's because we look up to them, we idolize them. But obviously, yeah, full respect for you, and that must have been crazy. Yeah, and obviously, I've, I've been close to football players before, but as a, as a fan, you know, you see them in in football stadiums, or all, all players come along and sit, you know, places where you be. But I've never been so close to to anyone like that. And to think that he's, you know, captain of Liverpool, which is one of the biggest clubs in the in the world, and he's well, you know. Champions League winner, Champions League trophy, and lifted and stuff. It is just, it's insane. And I thought this guy is just spending, the, choosing to spend the day with me, really. And John, so all of a sudden, we went, there's, there's a there's a view at the end of the video, and I take it in the video and I camera it. We're going downstairs, and there's a guy just coming up the stairs and says something like, You're right, version on it. Yeah, oh, well, you're okay. Yeah, you're right. And then from, from there on, I just realized there was just, it was just it was such a weird day. All of a sudden, I found myself in the back of the taxi with Benjamin Bike asking me about why I'm working in England and I'll be going to kit. So, what position do I play? And it was just it's just surreal. And then obviously, we went to see the the training ground, which was which was unbelievable. Yeah, it just looked like a fantastic experience for you. But it didn't end there because obviously the surprise comes at the end, where you know Nivian Men took you to the game as well. So. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit more about that because obviously we don't sort of see that on the on the video that happens then. But I gather it was the Newcastle game. It was full VIP treatments, I believe, and all that. So tell us a little bit more about that. Oh yeah, yeah, it was great. So originally it was going to be the Fulham game, but that that fell on my birthday, so the third December. So it's well, we've gone away. Um, can we do it any other day? And it's a Newcastle, which is New Year's Day. So I thought well, that's quite nice after the holiday and stuff. We just have a little nice treat at the end. Um. It, I took my my best friend's dad, Jeff. He's been a Liverpool fan for you know fifty years. He's always had the same seat on me. We've never been in one of these things before. It's just unreal. We got there, so we got the the hospitality open from five, and we got there for quarter past five. We didn't know what we were doing. We like just left two little village idiots just lost somewhere, and got in there, and it, all of a sudden, this this amazing. The door of people of, of waiters just waiting for us and being so they're so so attentive, so polite, and they just sat in the, in the table. Obviously, the, the the meal was amazing. A three course meal, three drinks, and um, and John Barnes was um, there in the lounge with us. He he kept telling about stories about when he played against Maradona and everything. It was it was amazing. 
And then obviously it was it was the last time that I'd seen um, I seen John then with his mates, and we'd spend a time with him and another couple from Nidia as well. And then oh, the the game was just that the, the seats are unbelievable. So so Jeff we, and I often go to the game with them and they sit opposite and the other and the other seat opposite by the just just below the um where the score is the corner. Um, but these seats are like just watching it. You could see everything. You can see the twenty-two players moving. You can see what what they go in the rooms they make, and it's just unbelievable experience. And obviously, it was a great game. Second half was just unreal. Yeah, when you sit in seats like that, it gives you such a, a great appreciation for what they're doing. Especially as, as a footballer yourself, you must have been like, "Wow, the level these guys are playing at!" And you, as you say, you can see everything, can you? But you can see it tactically, and it's just yeah. an amazing way to watch football if you if you if you get an opportunity to to sit in seats like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a real idea. I could think, in, you know, because we we had a couple of bottles of wine between us for three hours. You think we could we could play there, you know? I could I could, I could be in the middle there, and I was done anything. I know it's just it's just running back and forth. And but the first time touches, and I was thinking, John, stop! That couldn't look that hard. She was just shooting for a boot in. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's surreal. The quality and everything else is just. I mean, obviously, then the stadium is roaring as as it always is. So it's just a really good experience at all. And the whole thing has been obviously surreal for you and a fantastic experience. But what I like about the video as well is is the focus on on the Oliver King Foundation because you know you rightly had a lot of praise for for what you did on the day and and how you worked with John and how you sprung into action and and how the work you did with him. But the key part of the whole thing was obviously having the defibrillator on site, wasn't it? Because without equipment like that, you know, you can do your best and you can try your hardest, but you know, you need you need things like that, you know, at these places, don't you, to to help you do your job and to help you, you know, do what you did for John that day. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's the most important thing. I remember when when it was happening, I asked for the defibrillator, and it, I remember the lads play up talking behind me, saying, "I don't know if we have defib there. This is there's apparently a health center close to the to the stadium where we're playing in Bannon Drive." And and in my head, I was thinking, "Well, we need the defibrillator as soon as possible because otherwise." This guy had got very little chance of, of recovering, and then luckily there was just defibrillator related there, so it, it was way way quicker than I expected. Someone just probably related to me, so then I just started just sticking it on and, and making it put it into work. And it was yeah, it was because the defibrillator was there that John, thankfully, is a monster today. Otherwise, I think it'd be a little different story, really. And um, I had the pleasure to meet the Oliver Foundation president. I think it was Oliver Bad who I met. Yeah, and in the when we had the, the league we played, we had a hundred year old um sort of gala recently, and oh, just before Christmas, and he he did come to me. I said, "You, you really, really amazing what you did," and we're hoping that we can raise more money. It's, it's the same as all this is for just raise more money to get more different races across because it's it's what you need. It you can do BLS and you can do ALS as a advanced life, you know, sort of practice but you, you need to have defibrillators in place otherwise the the chances are reduced by a lot yeah absolutely and so you know mark obviously praises the work that you do it you're doing you know the work that you did with with john but quite rightly we need to sort of praise him and the work he's doing because it works hand in hand doesn't it you know yeah. people like yourself who you know, who were medical professionals who who jump into action in these moments when, like, maybe the rest of us will probably just sort of panic and no one know what to do. But people like Mark, who were getting these defibrillators to to football pitches, to sports centres, to to places of work, yeah. You know, he's to, together. You know, the, that's how it works hand in hand, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's it's very um recently only recently I work so I work in the hospital in A and E and I remember one of the I, I know pretty much everyone in the hospital, one of the doctors told me they they seen recently a young guy who came in who collapsed playing in the in the same football stadium and it the this doctor initially thought maybe it maybe it is strong because you know they, they can't be that many people described, but apparently Someone else did a few a few months ago, but I, th- I don't think they needed the defibrillator. But obviously, it was there; it needed to be. So that's just it, it's a they just have to be in places. Really, there's nowhere on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we would encourage everyone to to keep supporting the Oliver King Foundation. That's what you know this chat with is all about. But also, to, you know, we with Alex just to to touch a little bit more on the experience. You know, since the video has come out, so then if people are, are doing a double take when. When they're in a hospital bed and you walk in and things like that, because I guess you, you, you're faced with Liverpool supporters that go around the world a little bit. So have you had a little bit more attention in the hospital and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happened. So I think it, the staff obviously these these things get shared pretty quickly in their sort of Facebook page and stuff like that in the hospital, and everyone was just with a massive support and really you know really nice about it. And it, a, a few patients as well. So I, I work most with mostly with older people, but. A few patients who just happen to be Liverpool fans, they seen they might have seen me. You know, I, I've, I've seen you somewhere. I know you from somewhere. I was like, well, you might have seen me in a video recently. And they was like, oh yeah, you the guy who was with Van Dijk and stuff. So it's quite nice that to get that recognition, really. Um, but yeah, I think it's it. It it it, it was going on quite a lot over the first few weeks, and now every every uh, a week, every every three, four, five times, someone recognizes that what what happened and and can recall the story, which is ultimately. Yeah, as you said before, just to try and keep it in people's heads, isn't it? And make an awareness of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and fair play to Virgil at the end as well, because he donates, doesn't he? And and, and I think that's a really nice part of the video as well, where because we, Nivea men say they're going to make a donation to the Oliver King Foundation, along with everything else they do in the video. And then, and then Virgil says, yeah, I'll make a donation as well. And I thought that was really good of him, but it just shows how much the whole day and the whole story touched him, really, because... You know they are human beings at, at the end of the day. You know we are there, yeah. and we see them as as you know all these footballers. But you know Virgil, you know similar to all of us. You know he's he's a dad, he's a husband, and he's he's a footballer, and 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 he probably feels well. If I'm in a position to help, you know I, I want to as well. And and I thought that was that was a nice nice little part of it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, what's even nicer, John, is that it, they, I think they cut on the video. But when we actually talk about donating for the um of the King Foundation, he he didn't know. There was going to be a donation, so he actually said, oh, "I didn't know we were donating," and that's what he said. But I will donate then some money as well, definitely. Yeah. So he, he he just sort of you know it's sort of straight straight off the bat. And I, I remember him mentioning about recently, after shortly after before we met virtually, another um, full player collapsed in in Netherlands, and he said that I knew that guy from a previous team, and he so so he you know he knows wow we posted all the different latest out of stuff. I mean that's why he just. He was just ready to night. Ready, he's, he's, he's just a nice guy, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, Veds, uh, give a donation. We'd love other people to do so as well if you can uh, afford it. Obviously, we know times are tough for people, and there's lots of you know worthy causes out there. But Oliver King Foundation is literally a dad. It's a father who is trying to save lives. He doesn't want more yeah. people like his son you know losing their life who maybe could have been saved. So he's on a one man mission to get these defibrillators up and down the country as prevalent as fire extinguishers whenever you see a fire extinguisher he wants to see a defibrillator there and alex is is walking proof of how with along with people like him that it can help save lives um 
But thanks, Alex, for so much uh, for coming on. Obviously, thanks to Naveen Man for putting us together. But I really appreciate your time, Alex. I know your day job it makes you so busy, and you know it's it's what you're doing. You know, every day is is helping people. But we really appreciate you taking a few minutes out to to speak to us today. Yeah, no, no, it was it was a pleasure, and thank you so much for the for the opportunity. But yeah, um, yeah, always happy to to raise awareness about the latest. We need to donate to the Overcome Foundation, really. Yeah, Tom man, Alex, speak to you soon. Okay, thanks, John. Thanks to everyone who came to see us in London. Uh, thanks to Alex as well for that, by the way, and John. Uh, thanks to everyone who came to see us in London the night before. It was very, very good indeed. I hope a lot of you got to see Keo as well the next day at Box Park. I bet you it was brilliant afterwards. Uh, let's be clear about that one. I bet you he had a ball, uh, and everyone who went did as well. But if you came down to see us, very, very, very much appreciated. It was nice to get time to talk to a lot of people before and after as well. We've got a live show now in Liverpool at the end of the season uh, for which tickets are now on sale. It is at Mountford Hall. It'll be the Saturday night before the Wolves game. Uh, and we've got those live shows in the United States that start off in New York, end in Washington, and on the way through go to Boston, Detroit, uh, Wilmington. Uh, and it's not just the United States because the other one is Toronto as well. I've not written that down, but you know we're all all right in the end. My memory just about works after what was uh, quite the time on the bus home yesterday uh, after Liverpool won that league. Cup. If you want to come to any of them, it's the Anfieldrap.com forward slash TAW live. And from there, there should be links and hopefully they'll work. Um, apologies, the app was down for a brief period uh, yesterday, uh, but it was all action, as you would expect. A lot of people wanted to get on and get onto the post match stuff, which is always very much appreciated. Uh, we got it fixed as quickly as possible. Andy was on the train uh, liaising with people, sorting that out. Uh, so that was that was why you didn't see Lewis Diaz's dad. He was, uh, he, was, uh-huh. he, was, he, was he was on IT watch, he was on, he was on tech, uh, but he got it sorted and it was all there. And if you haven't listened to any of that yet, do think about subscribing and go from there. Um, can I can I just say the post match stuff was brilliant, and the fact that you could listen to the pink and hear the post match pint happening in the background, <laughs> and then the post match pint <laughs> and the pink happening in the background, it's like metatextual. Inception. I'm, 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 I think uh, yeah, it may be a bit too much, but it's a small bus. Uh, when I was on no, it, I was, when I was on it, I was reminded we went all the way to Kiev and back on it uh, on that bus, and I was like, I can't believe we did that uh, whilst I was sat there. But that's you know, I, I blame I blame Jurgen Klopp. Uh, anyway, um, Elliot and Van Dyke, Josh, for me, the epitomised different parts of the Liverpool approach across these last eight years really it's worth remembering I think it's important I'm fine with the idea that they brought some of these lads into the academy they've spotted them they've got them in and they've got them to their values and their way of doing things you know I don't think that that's something in any way shape or form anyone should be should be shy about mentioning and I'm also you know it's Liverpool Football Club the last year they were two years ago they were third in the Deloitte list in terms of money earned through football The year this year they were seventh they'll be top ten again Virgil van Dijk's a record fee for the defender. Harvey Elliott is a long-term project, which Liverpool did have to pay decent money for, but was signed to be that long-term project. And both of them, yesterday, effectively, I mean, Virgil's done it often enough, and Harvey's played ever so well this season, but both of them just come to fruition and show what they are yesterday in, in one perfect moment, one perfect day. Yeah, I mean, if, I don't really know where to start, to be honest. I think Elliott... I've already waxed the hell about him anyway. But Do think, it again. He deserves <laughs> it. He was, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And I think one thing we forget is he, he is he is 20. 20. 20 years old. Like 100 he, games at 20 years old. I know, I know. And he's supposed to be in the same bracket really as a, a, a Clark and McConnell and Kwanzaa and all that. But it doesn't feel like he is, does it? And, and if you watch him and recognise that he is... I think that's when you realise that he's you got a bit of a gem there, and I think by the time he's like twenty five, twenty six, you think of the player he could be. He could really become like a 
uh, I don't know, I see him like a like an older guard, maybe eventually or something like that. Like a, the way Grealish just evolved the Villa and, and became that real authority, you know, so technical and seeing things other players don't see and popping up in pockets and, and doing real damage in those tight spaces and things like that. I think Elliot's got all of that about him and you, you do have to factor in the fact he's 20, though. It's, it, it is ridiculous. Um, he looks physically bigger this season, and I thought you saw some of that yesterday. You mentioned before about the idea of his stamina, but I just think all round, not much, you know, but a, a little bit broader, a little bit stronger, and, and the idea that he, he was able to run and run and run like that for 120 is something which I think is staggeringly impressive. Yeah, there was, there was a moment late in the game, and um, he, gets the, he receives the ball kind of around the halfway line, and with his first touch, he absolutely does his man who's, who's up his backside and, and, and spins him. And I think he gives the ball to basically someone who's shattered and, <laughs> and, and, and the move dies. But if the, if, the, if he passed the ball to someone who could run or the players ahead of him could run still, it would have been a break that. But yeah, Elliot was just the most energetic player probably on the pitch for me out of everyone. And, and that's probably including Conor Gallagher as well, who's known for that. Um, and in terms of Van Dijk, just... I mean, it sounds easy to say that we we wouldn't have won the game without him on the pitch because he scores he scores twice in the game and and keeps a clean sheet. But he was he was the the pillar of strength f- for me. He he was the backbone. Like he was just the the real fella on the pitch, the man, you know. And and the, the way he kind of just led his team and and stepped up when it was needed. And I mean, he's the he's the best centre half I've ever seen. And, and it feels like when you say that, sometimes rival fan bases like roll their eyes like you haven't seen Vidic or something like that. But in, in reality... You have seen Vidic? I have seen Vidic, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Van Dijk's on a different level too. I do. I think he's. I don't think he's got a weakness. I don't see a weakness in his game. He's good at everything. The only thing he maybe doesn't have on his side in comparison to some of these John Terry's is, is, is the longevity side. But he's been coming for quite a while now, you know, and he's, he's still performing to a real top level. He's been the best centre-half in the world for a good few years now, aside from maybe a drop-off last season when he didn't have a midfield in front of him. Shock. So, you know, his performance for me won the game for Liverpool and as good as everyone was, Van Dijk for me was just the, you know, the difference maker, the transformer that we, that we signed him for, that we signed him to be. Uh, Neil, the captain, he suddenly does find himself in this sort of unbelievably rarefied air. In a couple of ways, one is his own general performance in terms of being both a central defender and a leader of that that phase of the pitch, if not the whole pitch. But the other thing is, you know, it's back-to-back opening goals, or three of them, if you want, uh, in there as well. And the fact that he does feel like he is he's contributing in every single aspect of play. You know, this this is something that happens to great players during momentous seasons and great moments. And Van Dijk, I mean, it's been Virgil van Dijk's week, uh, to say the least, and I think it probably extends further back than that, apart from what happens at Arsenal. Yeah, and and you know, I think also doing it, doing it selflessly as well as the captain. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people would have made the point that well, the way that game went, Liverpool should have sat in and and really sort of you know protected themselves and just 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 played for penalties and played for set pieces and and, and ground it out. Van Dijk's happy to have spaces around him. He's happy to say to the fullbacks, "Go on, off you go." You know, he's he says he's happy to pass it to. James McConnell in, in in under pressure and things like that. I've I've heard people talk about John Terry and Tony Adams and people like that, brilliant, unbelievable centre backs. But their whole thing was getting people around them to sort of to make sure that they defend their penalty area and they do all that. Van Dyke does that, but really the courage that he Canate, Quanta, Gomez, whoever plays at centre back, has when they play for Liverpool is 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 huge. And you know you can't 
it's just a perfect day, isn't it? He's got he's got a clean sheet. He's his first final as captain. He's lifted the trophy. He scored the winning goal. He's got the player of the match announced on the on the thing. Uh, the video. Obviously, they thought I was finished. I quite enjoyed that. I hope he wasn't aiming at it. Uh, uh, the local journalist pack. Cause I think we, all made, <laughs> we all made that point that you might think he's finished. He definitely isn't. Um, <laughs> but I. Uh, yeah, and I, I heard him, I, I don't know who it was, it might have been Adam Crafton that was on um, on the BBC yesterday, I was driving back and he said he, he didn't look like he played at the end of the game when he gave the interview, he still looked like, you know, he looked like he was just getting ready to sort of, you know, right, we, we, you know, we're, we're looking forward to this, we're going to go and play again. Yeah, he, 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 when he scored the goal, he had, he had like three hairs out of place and, he? and you're like, oh, he looks rough, doesn't he? Because <laughs> he just, ne- he never ever looks phased, does he ever? Yeah. No, I, and I thought he looked overwhelmed though when he scored. Like I thought, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I think we have this thing about him that he is, because he, he has that aura yeah. in so many ways. But, but I haven't had one taken off him yeah. as well. I mean, you know, that was... There was a horrible moment, wasn't there? Where you think, oh, I hope, I hope something hasn't happened in, in that penalty area. You yeah. can't go through that again. You know that would have been it. But I mean, he, Josh is right. He is the best centre back I've ever seen. I, I think Allison's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen, and it, that doesn't mean that they're the best the game has ever seen in terms of their their career, their their thing. But if you if you were saying to me, look, you need a team here that's got to, got to win for you today, otherwise you're you're you're, you're getting the chop. He's he's in my team straight away. He's he's the centre back and Allison's the goalkeeper. And Liverpool didn't have one of them yesterday, so they needed the other one to be absolutely faultless. And he was on Elliot. Ian, sorry, can I just do Van Dyke if first? you want to? Speaking on behalf of all the old people, um, I <laughs> love I love the shout from opposing fans of you never saw Vidic, mate. I saw Hansen and Lawrence, and you don't need to talk about Vidic. Van Dyke is the best centre back I've ever seen. There you are. That's that sorted out. It, uh, it feels like nostalgia dom- dominates that convo. You know, whenever you talk about, um, people go back to like the great day, the glory days of the Premiership and and all that stuff. And and uh, defending was very different back then. And obviously, I was only I went, I didn't see Pete Tony Adams really, to be honest. Anyway, but like th- probably the best I've seen is probably John Terry or something like that. Maybe Rio Ferdinand, Vincent Company to a certain extent. But Van Dyke, as I said earlier, just he just doesn't have a weakness. He just. He, he offers value to every element of the game your distribution defending set pieces attacking set pieces leadership ability to play he, high he plays headed passes that's, yeah. that's, a, like, that's the best way I can do it like, the ball amazing. goes up in the air and he knows where this header is going to drop like, and, like, and it stands out so much you know you think a great head and centre backs Vidic would be one he of them he said Salah up with a one on one yeah he, he will literally the week. you know there's one thing you see Joel Matip or you see day and Lovren when he played or you Sammy Hippier when he played they get great distance on the headers, they're brilliant in the air. Van Dijk is is planning the move when he's when he's heading there, and the re- his his aerial ability is the best I've ever seen in in, in any player. Uh, and that's the most captain's captain performance you'll ever see in your life as well. Because yeah. he, that idea that you either lead by example or you lead by the way you talk people through, or you lead by your own performance, he's doing the whole thing. Um, Elliot, Elliot, I feel like he was building <laughs> to the moment, Ian. I, I love it's glorious that he gets it. I yeah. love the video of him uh, getting a picture of the cup with Salah, where it's like he wanted that with Salah, and Salah wanted to you know. I've not seen that. Oh, it's a lovely one, a big smile on his face. But then so he, he offers Salah the cup to say, "Do you want to have a go with the cup?" And because Salah didn't play, because Salah's Salah, he's like, "No, don't you? It's your cup. You, 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 you go off. You go." Um, I think you, the hundred appearances, twenty years old, finding his place, not finding his place, it all being a little bit tricky. You know, whatever else happens now for the rest of this campaign. 
what happens at Wembley yesterday is exactly what Harvey Elliott can build the rest of a sparkling career on. Yeah, massively, because you know, last season he played more, this season he's had more impact on the team. Um, and it's been much, very much as an impact player, which obviously he doesn't want to be because nobody wants to be an impact player. You want to get every second you can on the pitch. Uh, yesterday, he was perfect. He, he is, as Josh was saying before, the way he finds pockets of space, he just, he'll pop up in the bits that you don't expect him to be in. So he's not, he's never going to be quite a right midfielder. He's never going to be quite a right winger. But he's going to be somewhere between the two and he's going to be lethal in that space between the two because it's the place where defenders and midfielders aren't looking for you. He's exploiting that all the time. His stamina is incredible. His physique, I think he's got that kind of, not to the same level, not as stocky, but that kind of Rooney-esque physique where he's kind of like... He's wide. He's he's wide. Yeah, Shaqiri, but not as... Not as odd as Shakiri, more, more like an actual human being. Uh, no disrespect to Shakiri, no, excellent. A little bit of disrespect, yeah. A little bit of disrespect, yeah. He's not listening. Look at, yeah. I'm a 10 stone skinny bastard. He can give me as much disrespect as he likes. But he has, he's got that physicality, he's got that weight to him, but he's got that solidity. You're not going to knock him off the ball. He's, he's added that to him to himself the last couple of years. He's never going to have the pace because you can't suddenly develop pace. But it's that old thing of the first yard being in your head because Kenny yeah. never had the pace. He's running a little bit more. Me and Andy said during the match, the, the thing that he, he run, he's running a little bit more like a hundred and ten meter hurdler. If you sort of know what I mean, like he's not going to run like he's yeah, not going to run. Burst. Yeah, he's not going to run like a sprinter. Yeah. He's he's going to run like a hundred and ten meter hurdler. Who's going and that's what I think they've got to work on with him and keep that coming. And, I, and he'll be determined to do it himself because he loves it. I mean, that's the <laughs> yeah, last part of it. He, he absolutely loves it. He absolutely loves it, and you know, it doesn't mean that you. You have to pick him because of it, but it doesn't half help. I think in in, in situations like the one we had yesterday. Yeah, and I, and you know I don't think you can underestimate the importance of him getting that goal on Wednesday as well, just because he, he had a bit of a sticky game and he came through it. And he you know he, the first half was poor, the second half was good, and he but he finishes it with a flourish and a big moment for him. Must have been flying into the into the weekend, and I think he's also one of them that I think. I think the more responsibility you give him, the better the better he is. Almost, I think I think he can blend a little bit when when he's got you know he's the eleventh player if you like, or he's the sort of the the kid in the team. You see him for the under twenty ones when he plays for England. He, he's, he's captain them. He, you know he's a sort of creative spark in a very good under twenty one side. So you know, good on him. As I say, as Ian said earlier, to get to hundred games in this era of Liverpool when you you know you've been signed in as a sixteen year old, that tells you something. People people maybe still don't see the full sort of picture with, with Harvey Elliott and, and see and how, that was how long for an entire season in that yeah, time another, as well another leg did break. really well as well yeah. another leg break yeah, another leg break yeah um, who are you picking for Southampton? <laughs> God uh, I've, got, I've got a team if you want it you got a team? Go I've, on, got, I've, got, go I've got 10 Come on. Uh, the 11th oh, might be Neil. Does it include Linders? <laughs> Sorry. Does it include Linders? Uh, my, I've got Kelleher or Adrian in goal. It wouldn't surprise me if you actually got that. I think it's Adrian. I think, I think that's why Adrian. I don't think you can afford to lose Kelleher. So I think he might drop Adrian in. Uh, I think he'll start Connor Bradley at right back. Does uh, 70, and he'll have this idea of giving him constant 70s. But feel free to disagree at any point. Quanta, centre half. Um, some other lads, centre half. <laughs> uh, Costa, Shimakas, left back. Alexis McAllister, holding midfielder. Did uh, well, Simicas, by the way. We didn't we have one of them ones who didn't yeah. get mentioned, done really well, I great, thought. Great delivery. Yeah, great yeah. delivery, but like he was in, in the final third a lot, wasn't yeah. he? Sort yeah. of backing up. Uh, Bobby Clark. Yeah. Uh, James McConnell. Yeah. Um, Cody Gakpo to lead the line. Uh, or play off the left because Jaden Dans to lead the line, uh, making his first Liverpool start. Kate Gordon. 
Yeah, I wouldn't have so many complaints with that, to be honest. Yeah. Shane Ioni. Yeah, I was going to say, can't play centre-half. Who plays Kuma? Who centre-half? I'm not sure about McAllister, though. Yeah. I think we need him at the minute, especially with these midfield injuries. And so I think he, he might do he might do a forty five forty five diddle somewhere as well if he can. Mm-hmm. So so he might have he might pick someone like he, for instance I mean, that centre half. It wouldn't surprise me if Virgil plays the first half and Canate plays the second or I, Gomez gets forty five. I'm watching some of them and I'm 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 wanting to see the doctor's note from Darwin and Sobers like. <laughs> um, I think I mean, he made that point, didn't he? So I'm gonna have a conversation with that medical team because Darwin didn't look injured to me when he, he was no, hurdling. Speaking, you're speaking about hurdlers, weren't you? That's what Darwin was doing. So, yeah. yeah, he was hurdling actual humans. I yeah. think at one, I think at one point yeah. he just, just Fosby flops over Curtis Jones. He, 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 he nearly threw Curtis to one side. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a dangerous moment. That yeah. Curtis on crutches, they're getting pushed headfirst down some steps. In fairness, Curtis <laughs> shouldn't have been hopping down the steps yeah. with a boot on. I think didn't I think Gravenberg threw his crutches away? Didn't he? Did, did, did oh, he, he kept doing it over and over. Again, during the celebration, picking them back up. <laughs> uh, Paul Gore stopped him in the in the mix up or like said to him, You alright, Ryan? He comes he's on crutches with his foot in the boot. He went, Yeah, all good. I thought, You're not all good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, come on, tell the truth. But uh I I think I think Joe Gomez is the other centre back um in, in that team. He I'd, does play a hundred minutes. He does play hundred, but he wouldn't necessarily play at the weekend. Yeah. Um you, I think I mean you've got Robertson. I suppose you could Robertson centre back. Um, I've seen him do it for, for Scotland. Uh, I think that McAllister. I don't. I, I don't think we'll see McAllister. I. I. I think he would have had a good sleep last night. McAllister. He looked. He looked done and dusted. We won't. See, I can't see how Diaz can get on the pitch. So I think, I think that's, no way Diaz should I think be that, in I think that's squad. an employment tribunal waiting to happen. <laughs> Diaz ends up on the pitch. Like, no, he's got to. He's got to go. Home. Where's, where's Kumas play? Kumas a forward. He could he could definitely play across there. Obviously now he's only sixteen and who, who, who else have we got for midfield? Well that's why I that's think That's why is such a I think he might yeah, or, he might, or, or he might do forty five. He might do forty five with the young lads and then I'll have McAllister. He could play Gakpo in the midfield and play play the young forward line. He could have Gakpo as the And then McConnell of, at six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Kumas was on the bench. Gordon wasn't on the bench, I was a bit surprised. Um Nioni's there, he's a, he's a midfielder, but he's sixteen years of age. I think there might be a couple drafted up from the from the twenty ones as well. You might see maybe Carter Pennington, um, Amara Nallo, maybe these young young centre like Terence Miles. There's there's just there's a few lads who I think we'll just see on the bench that you you probably haven't heard of. I going to say, I love the fact I haven't heard of any of those this, three. Yeah. <laughs> well, Car- Carter Pennington and Amara Nallo are two 16-year-olds been playing centre-half for the 21s this season, so, yeah. Being fair, being fair, there's massive pressure on Southampton in the league all of a sudden. They're on a bit of a bad run. Leeds look lively and Leicester have still got the points advantage. They'll want to finish top two. I don't think they're coming and playing a first-choice 11 unless he's got the, the manag- idea. The of- manager said they got beat the weekend, didn't they, by Millwall, yeah. it? And the manager said, we could do without this game. That, yeah. that was that was his comment. So I wonder whether makes two of us then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should we shake hands on a one 0 win? Oh, should we just do pens? <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> do you want to just couple two pens? And we'll, we'll do ten each uh, uh, and go from there. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be. I I think they'll go weaker than than people would think, unless he decides. We I need to get them, give them a confidence boost. But I think if he's, I think footballers aren't daft, and if he's coming onto a pitch against Liverpool's under twenty ones. Whilst the, everyone wants to win at Anfield once in their career, uh, the, the plan for Southampton is to play at Anfield next season, and that's more important to them. And, and they, they, they won't see the the boost. Um, the price for getting through, let's be crystal clear, it might be the sixth round of the FA Cup, but it also means Cudderson's getting lashed into a midweek in April, and that is the prize. Uh, that would that I think would help Liverpool massively in that fixture because if not, they've got the Europa League second leg in the run up to it. Uh, you put it into a midweek, and you've got an Everton side who haven't got enough uh, enough fit players. Suddenly, having three games in a week is the time they might need a result, and I think that. 
that would be uh, a real benefit for Liverpool and we are after all the Devils Club uh, you know we've uh, we prove it time and time and time again turned, even turned Tony Bellew into a believer haven't you uh, we'll get them all eventually Neil uh, <laughs> we'll get them all uh, well, well, fair, fair play to Tony Bellew obviously I know some things are more important than that isn't it I know yeah. he's got the family connection but I saw the I saw the fume that he uh, he engendered that was uh, that was a little side story. Yeah, indeed. One by one on the banks of the River Blue Mersey. Thank you very much indeed to Josh Williams, to Ian Sam and Neil Jones. Andy Heaton's produced Josh. Uh, Josh, good God, sorry, George. Jordan Singleton. Uh, listen, it was a big day. Uh, Jordan Singleton. The first thing I've got wrong, Jordan Singleton's done the images <laughs> as we've gone through on the YouTube. Um, the manager just provides miracles and he provides life. Sports Social Podcast Network.